Good morning. Welcome to the Marysville 3CU Church. Welcome to those that are joining us online. Last week, we preached a sermon called, What is Man? What is Man? Today, we're going to talk about, What is a Man? That's the best title I think I have right now, is What is a Man? We're going to touch on some topics that are challenges in today's society, a topic, and understanding is a challenge. And so, in Genesis chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 2. Genesis chapter 5, verse 2. We're going to look at some other scriptures here. And as we mentioned last week, there's some things that we talk about that we kind of have to make sure that we're on the same page. Where do we begin? And I believe I've used this, used, I might have used this last week, but that concept of Vince Lombardi telling those professional football prayer, players, this is a football. Well, they knew what a football was, but you kind of have to be, begin with the fundamentals. And in today's society, the definitions, all the word definitions, everybody's trying to change them to something else. And it's like all the basis of our conversation has become like shifting sand. And so that if I say a word to you, what would in every other context would make complete sense to you, someone, if their goal is to try to look for an opportunity to either cause confusion or look for an opportunity to make their case or look for the opportunity to make themselves relevant, They'll twist what you're saying and turn it back on you to make it feel like you're meaning something that you didn't ever mean and wouldn't ever mean. But it makes you feel less. So as we go into this message place, we need to go to Genesis chapter 5, verse 2. And it says here, He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day that they were created. And last week we did talk about that what is man and we talked about the concept that the Bible talks in general to man. Man being mankind. But here we have in this verse it says he created them male and female. He created them male and female and called them mankind in the day that they were created. So it establishes here that there is male and female. In the, uh, some of the different societies, um, they set things up so that as, we, as we're going through the male and female concept, they try to allow for combinations. And they kind of allow for male and female as almost one or some combination. And so words themselves are, are being shifted. Words themselves are being moved around. Words themselves are causing a challenge. So we're talking about some of these fund fundamentals, male and female and mankind. 
So God establishes this, male and female and mankind. Now in Genesis 1, 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so male and female are in the image of God. Male and female are in, in, are in the image of God. So there are attributes that we will see if we were to study this. And from a, a lesson I heard one time from Dennis Kittlaw, a message, it's the male and female, you, we will see the attributes and the fulfillment of the attributes of God in the father at one end of the table and the mother at the under, other end of the table. It's the law of Sinai, setting down the law, and the Calvary, the God of Sinai and the God of Calvary are the same God. So God in his justice, and then also God in his love and mercy. It's the same God. But sometimes we find at the two ends of the dinner table, you would find one that might be more hold the line and the other more compassionate. But in the combination, you get the right combination. You have that opportunity if they're both following God. So male and female. And this is like, well, yeah, of course, male and female. But there isn't a of course in today's culture. What we thought was common sense, what everybody knew, everything's been shifted around. And if we continue in 128, it says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so we find then again that we are to have dominion over. We are to be good stewards. But many would try to equate... Many would try to equate humans and animals. We've seen that as well. Now, I appreciate that people refer to their animals as their children, but some take that a little bit too far. Would you agree? Maybe you won't agree with that. But some take it too far. We to have dominion over the animals does not mean that we mistreat animals, but we are not the same as animals. We are to have dominion and control over the animals. And I'm not trying to devalue someone's pet dog. I'm not trying to devalue that, but we have to keep it in order because it comes to the point where people are more concerned about killing an eagle's egg than they are about aborting a baby. And an eagle, a baby eagle and an egg, is it not in the same place as a baby in the womb? More or less? But, see, they've elevated, they're created above, they've elevated the animals above humans. They haven't even <coughs> equated them. And it's not, you've got to be careful not to paint it with a broad brush, but it, it it's, may not be unusable unusual to see some of the same people that would elevate the one will decline on the other. It becomes an opportunity for convenience in a, in a difficult situation possibly 
But when it comes back to it, it's really man, mankind, trying to exact on control and elevate themselves as though they were God. Just as in the Garden of Eden, they said, they were tempted with, we could be like God. And so it's that, that arrogance, that pride that gets in our way of us surrendering our will to God and, let, and, and letting God come control. It's that concept that we don't need anything, as the Laodicean church would, would say. We're rich and enhanced with goods. We don't need anything. We don't need God. And so in our affluency, possibly, in the United States, we've become to the point that we don't need God. And then we go down, we don't need God for our morality because we can just talk to each other about our morality. We can just talk and grab sound bites and bits from other uh, uh, people across the country and say, see, they agree with me, they agree with me. But don't we remember growing up, it used to be the concept, if, if all your friends uh, decided to jump off the, the bridge, would you jump too? Well, in today's society, yes, I guess so. You know, and a bunch of little kids getting together think it's good to throw rocks through windows. They're all eight years old, and they think it's a great idea. Well, that doesn't mean that it is a great idea, just because they all agree that it's a great idea. But as we look at these scriptures and we talk about human sexuality, we, we go to these fundamentals, and it says that he created a male and female. And it Verse 28, just to keep it simple here, it says, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. A male and a male cannot be fruitful and multiply. A female and a female cannot be fruitful and multiply. So in God's design, that falls outside. Males and males, females and females. Because they can't... They can't do that. Everyone today understands that even in situations where there's two dads or two moms, that that child has a biological father and a biological mother. They have a biological father and a biological mother. That's the way it works in nature. That's the way... God designed it. That's the natural order of things, that they have to have a biological father and a biological mother. At some point, the surrogate, or whatever it is, they had to have a biological mother and a biological father. They have biological parents. Genesis 2.24 Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. A biological male and a biological female can become one flesh and naturally procreate. A male and male cannot do that. A female and female cannot do that. It's in the beauty of the design. It's in the beauty of the design. It fulfills that concept 
It's natural. Matthew 19, 14, excuse me, in Matthew 19, 4 to 5. And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Together, Therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. And we go again in Mark uh, 10, 6 through 8. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Verse 9, therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. This is what is natural. This is what would occur in nature, or the, or humankind would cease to exist. If there were no biological males and no biological females, there are only one or the other, humankind would cease to exist. Now they're trying with all kinds of efforts to eliminate males. Because in, in the cloning process, I think they tried to take the egg from a woman and do some things to eliminate the need for the male. It's very interesting that even in the societal activity and on the TVs and everything, it's okay to criticize a man. It is not okay to criticize a woman. She's a protected class. To the point that even in the churches, for me to preach some of the things that a woman should fulfill in marriage can become very controversial. And even the role of the man can become controversial. There's this wanting to eliminate a man. To eliminate the fathers. And what do we celebrate? What do we celebrate? What's one of the first things that people want to let you know? Oh, they're a single mother. And there's some single mothers that have become single mothers and they've had to go through a lot, through no fault of their own. But it shouldn't be the goal. It shouldn't be the goal. We should celebrate that they did what they could to raise, but we should also say that's not sufficient. What we can, can we do to bring the family back to wholeness? Because it's a male and a female. And so we've tried to normalize it from our family settings that we don't need the men. And who are the funniest jokes about on the TV? It's always about the men. Who, do like, who gets criticized in public? We have to watch it because it happens. The women like to, you, know, you run around, the women like to tell, oh, my husband did this, oh, my husband did that. The man says something about his wife like that, he's going to pay for it. And so we try to normalize it from the role of a husband as a parent, a father, and then we try to the role as the husband, and he's the cause of all the wars, 
and he's all these different kinds of things. I don't know if you've ever been. I've been on an outings before where the, the, the young woman that was there, we were in a, a group outing and we were in another state and we were on, a, on trips and we were eating together and she and her friend were talking loud about some other guy that was packing because of what he was doing or what he wasn't doing and they were talking loud enough he could hear it and it's like, why are you going to start a fight that you're going to expect us to clean up for? So we have to be careful then as it comes down and we start saying we don't need, we don't need the man. He's not a good father anyhow. We don't need the man. You know, we can, we can handle it. We can, we can do it all on our own. Anything he can do, I can do better. So now it's down, we're eliminating the male from the biology. We're eliminating the male by the biology. So you don't have transgender, I'll get this wrong, females, let's say biological females trying to compete in the biological males role. It's the biological males trying to compete with biological women. And they're going to eliminate women's sports eventually. So we're trying to normalize all these things. We're trying to normalize and get rid of the way God designed it. And we created it as male and female. So when we talk about this, because if you, there are websites out there, you can find churches that will talk about the affirming scriptures that affirm homosexual relationships, same-sex marriages, those kinds of things. And they'll use scriptures like Romans 1, 26 and 27. And the reason why these things need to be kind of, you have to look at them in, their con, in this full context, is scripture is trying to be used to justify activities. that are not consistent with Scripture. And we'll come back to that in a minute. In Romans 1.26, Paul writes, For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women ex exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one for another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. So God gave up gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, contending, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. So men with men, women with women. And what their statement is to that is that having same-sex attractions or relationships or non-heterogeneous, non-heterosexual relationships is natural. So they declare it as natural. So when Paul says that God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature, they'll say Paul's not speaking to the lesbian relationship because he's speaking to the unnatural use. 
But their statement is, it is natural for a woman and a woman, so Paul's not speaking to them. You see how they played that word game and twisted it? Burn their lust one for another, men with men, committing what is shameful, because, because they have a desire that makes it natural. But we've talked about how in natural, in nature, the way God designed it, a man and a woman become one, and that is the means, we've talked about this before, it ties them together emotionally because of the hormones that are given off, but also it's a means for procreation. And is that not natural? Is that not natural? But they would say, because you have the desire, that the desire is natural. May I tell you, the men that people think are evil, they are. The women are evil too. We're born corrupted. We're born in sin. We're born with the sin nature out for ourselves. But let me, let me think about these men that have natural lust for women. Does that mean it's okay for them? to just go everywhere with every woman they can find? That's natural? What about the people that have a natural tendency for gambling? Is it okay for them to just gamble everything away? What do the people have the natural tendency they'll say for alcoholism because it's a disease? Is it okay for them just to drink all they want? If you want to go down the path that, that because you have a temptation, it's okay to do it, now we're really in dangerous territory, aren't we? But that's what they're saying. They've declared it natural. But according to the scripture, the totality of the scripture, it's not natural. It doesn't work. And so we have to get down into some of these fundamentals. Things that aren't uncomfortable to talk about because they're not afraid to talk about them. very uncomfortable to be in a situation and I, I hesitate to bring this up in the church but it happens when you're around someone and they say one wife says to the other wife in public and they tell a joke about one of them playing the part of a man if it's so natural why does one have to play any part at all If you pick up the scriptures and you're trying to find a way to say what you're doing is okay, you're probably going to find it. Let me explain that. It's like looking at a quote book and you've got something that you want to prove. And so you look for a quote, quote that proves it. So you take the scripture out of context and you're using it to support an idea that you want to do anyhow. It's much different than saying, I'm going to take the scripture and let it rule me and all the scripture let it rule me and let it drive me and let it direct me and when you put all the scripture together you can pick out a verse and say this is natural this is not natural but when you put it all together the scripture talks to us if we want to be objective with things then we look at the whole thing and not pick it out but we know people today aren't very good at that because they, the, what is that magic phrase? It makes everything right. Oh, follow the science. Follow the science. 
What they're missing is the little part that says, follow the science until it disagrees with you, and then you don't have to anymore. So it's just like people that say they're analytical. If you've been around me, you've probably figured out I'm analytical. And that can be annoying. But some people say they're analytical when they're not. Some people say they follow the science, but if you want to follow the science, the science is you, you go in with no objective, you look at what comes out, and based on what you see, you prove or disprove what was there. You have to be honest with yourself. You have to be with the honest about the science. But if I go in there and I'm looking for a particular number, because you've heard the saying, figures never lie. Have you heard the rest of it? But liars figure. You can take numbers and twist them around to say what you want them to say in a soundbite. But the question is, is under the scrutiny, under the deep scrutiny of studying it and studying it and looking to the breadth of it, does it prove true? And if we look at this scripture that's been around for a long time, and we look at the totality, the totality of it, and we look at all of it, it becomes clear to us if we, our eyes are not blinded, if we're not so deep in sin that we can't look at it. When we look at all of it, it's very clear to us that a man is a male that a man is a male. A woman is a female. And that God created them male and female. And when the male and female get together, when they get together sexually, they have the capability of procreating and continuing the species. That seems very natural, doesn't it? It doesn't seem to be against nature. And verse 28 of Romans 1, and, they, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God and those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. See, you got, it gets to the point that you can convince them that they're, it's wrong and they don't care. Those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. They're speaking to people who have that have itching ears. They want to be relevant. They want to have a, a following. They want to have a big church. They don't want to preach the truth because if they preach the truth, that means that the membership might leave and the church might die. But it's not about the church, about the gospel of Jesus. And Jesus preached the truth and they went from 5,000 to 4,000. They went to the 12 and he says, well, you desert me too. And he went on to the cross and he was betrayed. And he was denied. And he went anyway. And in the New Testament church, people want to be in the New Testament church. What was the New Testament church doing? They, was de they were dealing with homosexuality. 
But see, that's not the only sin that's going on. And that wasn't the only thing that they were dealing with. But we should be encouraged to keep telling the truth because it's not new. It was happening there. The church was expanding, but they weren't afraid to call it sin. There are other sins. We also have to be careful that we don't jump on the one sin and ignore the other, like drunkenness. Like living together. And in some cases, I know there's allowances for divorce in the Bible, but in some cases, the divorce isn't part of that allowance. And that's a hard thing. And abortion. And, and, and. But we have to be willing to preach the truth. We've got to be willing to live the model. And somehow, through the grace of God, have love in the midst of all that they're going to throw at us. And all they do throw at us. For, as of now, social media has churches' messages on there. I think because they know the churches have used them. But how long before that starts getting censored off of Facebook? How long before it's censored off of YouTube? How long before it's... Now, we go live on Facebook, and we use Facebook, and it's valuable. It's got the closed caption. But that's the only, only places we have our messages for at some point. They're not going to like what we say anymore. They probably don't now. They probably don't like what I've been saying today. But we have it posted someplace else. And at some point, because they've already started to adjust the, the, the search engines, you hear, hear, hear them adjusting, you know, so certain things aren't getting out there. More and more. I've told you before, you really need to have a physical Bible. I'm really telling you, you need to have a physical Bible. Something that you can go to. How easy. How easy. When people search for scriptures, I don't know what scriptures they're posting up. People search for answers on, on, on the internet and things pop up and anybody can be saying anything. But you need to have a Bible that you trust. Not just an online Bible. Maybe it's downloaded into your phone. But boy, I would have a Bible. I don't know where we're headed, but if we really want revival, we have to feel the weight of sin as a country. And that might require that we go into places that we won't, don't want to go and have the difficulty that other parts of the world are having in their Christendom where the church is expanding. It's under persecution, but it's expanding. And so as we've mentioned and preached in this message today, what is a man? It's a male. And why? Do we want to need to bring this up? Because it helps us understand if we look at what is a good man, what is a Christian man, what is a Christian, Christian husband, what is a Christian father, we have to establish that it's okay for a man to be a man. And some things, not everything, but some things that a woman might not like about a man might need be, be something that, that's because she's not comfortable with it. He's comfortable with it. Sometimes when you're raising children, moms know 
they need their dad. They need their dad to kind of be in their face and call them out for what they're doing wrong. And pretty stern. It might go against their nature, but they need to say, okay, that's not me, but this child needs it, so I'm just going to... It's not, you're not letting your, it's not like your, your husband, the father, is going to, to beat the child and all those kinds of things. But sometimes a child needs a father. Sometimes moms have to be the father and the mother, but they can't be. They do their best, but they can't be the father. A child needs a father. He needs a man. And our boys need men to train them. And that's who my heart goes out to. We've got a lot of boys that don't have men around. They don't have anything to point to. They don't have anything to go back to. And if they become like the prodigal son and go out and about, they don't have anything to go back to. There's no father waiting back there that's holding the fort that's still who he's always been. They'd have nothing to go back to. So, the Bible, the whole Bible, does it guide your life? Are you looking for the pieces and parts to support what you want to do anyhow? And if you don't find it, you're probably going to do it anyhow. So we're dealing with a world that's deep in sin. They have a depraved condition. We need to love them. And we need to love them deep enough to tell them that they're going down the wrong path. To illustrate to them going down the wrong path. Some of them know it. But some of them might not know it. So may the Lord help us in how we show that love and how we care for those around us. And how we understand and apply scripture. So as we look to this process, to this message, and we look that even as they try to eliminate the male through cloning, or even as they try to get into this whole process, it's like they did in Babel, trying to manipulate things and trying to elevate themselves and gather themselves together. They're starting to play with engineering and mixing humans and animals. You know they're trying to do research on that stuff too? Yeah, we decided, you know, we can be God and do whatever we want. And then we want to debate on what's nature and what's not nature. Let us be standing. Lord, I pray as we consume your word that we have the understanding that the things that are straightforward, the things that are the way you created it, as people try to change, change language even, as they deceive themselves and confuse themselves, and some of them know that it's wrong and just want to do it anyhow. 
and encourage other people to do it are entrapping those that are sincerely searching. They're false prophets. They're preaching heresy. It gives us great pause. And we wonder, are they Christians? Are they Christians? But Lord, help us to be true to your word. Help us to not be shaken. Help us to not be lost and to be entrapped by the twisting of words and changing of definitions and picking pieces and soundbiting the Bible instead of taking it as whole. Let our guide be your entire word, your inspired word. And help us to not be timid. Help us not to be scared. But help us not to be mean. Help us not to be unloving. Help us to share your love and your care. Call sin, sin. But still have a loving and still have a caring. Realize that these challenges speak to a hurting heart and a confused spirit. And help us, Lord, to not give way to that with a surface love. Help the churches to stay true to your word and show true love. True love. Show the way to the gospel. Not a way to enable whatever you want to do because that's no gospel. We must go through the blood of Jesus. And when we have your blood applied, it's going to change what we do. You have standards. You have expectations. You created a system. You created nature. And now they call that which is nature. They've expanded it to that which is unnatural. And Lord, help us to solidify in our standing of you, not to be, not to be wavered, not to get angry. But may we have compassion and boldness. At the same time, we need your help. Our society needs your help. Our country needs your help. The churches need your help. May they return to the gospel. May they return to your word. May we return to obedience to the Lord because they're picking apart the very nuances that describe our relationship with you as Jesus comes for his bride. That relationship in marital terms between us and you, they're trying to destroy all those pieces. Lord, we pray that we might be strong against all the wiles of the devil, putting on the whole armor of Christ. And that let us not to go forward in fear, but in boldness, knowing that others in the New Testament church ran into some of the same battles. And may we have the same courage and may you empower us with the same power to do your will, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.